You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hi, step parents. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Maria Nadipov, step parenting coach and strategist. I am very excited to bring you this special episode that is near and dear to my heart. I had the sheer pleasure to again interview my incredible stepdaughter for this week's episode, but I have to warn you that there will be some details shared and discussed that will be uncomfortable, if not straight up stomach churning. So please remember that this episode is not for the faint of heart, and if you have children around, please put on some headphones or wait until you're alone to listen. This way you give yourself space to decide whether and if it's the right time to introduce the subject matter to them and to discuss these issues with them. This week, Lila dove into more of the background of her story of abuse, what that has looked like for her, how she learned to heal, and what that has looked like and continues to look like. In spite of some unpleasant details, I'm so excited to share her powerful story and pearls of wisdom with you all. And despite her tender age, she has many. This episode had so many incredible nuggets and such juicy conversation that it actually turned into a two-parter. So this is part one, and please be sure to tune in next week for part two. Let's dive in. Hey, Lila. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited. Last time that you were you were on, you mentioned abuse and neglect in the past and I think also maybe for the audience, it might be interesting that, you know, you're, you're calling me mom and then you reference bio mom and it might be confusing as to why I'm your stepmom, but you call me mom. Would you mind just talking a little more about some of the background of this, just to explain the story around that? Yeah. My dad and my birth mom split when I was six and they both started dating separate people. So my dad started you and my birth mom started dating this other guy. This other guy was already really sketchy and didn't like him. And the first, she randomly like told me we were moving in. So we just moved in and I already didn't know what was going on. But he started treating me really badly and he said me every once in a while. And then a few years later, he ended up like wanting to play truth or dare with me. And things just started to like turn for the worst. He gave me alcohol and... He cut my hair and he called me sexy while lying on top of me. And after that, it started to get a lot worse because that... Can you just reference how old you were? Oh, yeah. Um. So when he first started to hit me, I was seven. And when the whole game of Truth or Dare happened, I was about nine. And every single time an incident like this happened, I always told my birth mom every single time. And he ended up... At one point, her husband ended up threatening me, saying that if I said anything, then he would tell my birth mom that it was all me and that everything that had happened was my fault and I begged him to do everything. So after that, I just never told anybody about what was going on and lie. I got really hard to eat and stay calm, to sleep, and about like two or three, maybe four years later, I ended up um, blurting out to my stepmom that he had given me alcohol. Is that, is that me? Yes. That's okay, me. just want to make sure. Mom, 
stepmom. Um, and I ended up blurting out that he gave me alcohol. And then I ended up opening up about everything else. And then we told my dad. And then we told my birth mom. And after that, they went into court and did all the stuff so that I lived with them officially. And I ended up moving in completely and switching schools. And eventually, like, I just didn't see her anymore except for family therapy. And then we stopped doing that. And I ended up recently sending her a letter saying to just not contact me. The reason why I um, I call that mom mom and not my bio mom is because my stepmom treated me more like a mother than my birth mom ever did. She cared for me and she treated me like I was her daughter and never neglected me, helped me with what I needed to be helped with. and She made me feel like I was actually part of her life. And it, so that's why I call her <laughs> my my mom instead of my stepmom thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself so openly with us and i'm sure whoever's listening would greatly benefit from just hearing your story there's so much that you've already been through that's a lot for an adult never mind a child so i can imagine it might be overwhelming for a lot of people as they're listening to this and listening to you talk about it so openly with so much courage so i really commend you for that And thank you for being willing to share this much of yourself with people in hopes that this story can also help them to navigate things on their end if they're noticing a loved one struggling with these things possibly or if they themselves are struggling with these things. That's really amazing. You mentioned that it was hard to eat and sleep and this had a tremendous impact on you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like as far as the day-to-day, what it felt like, and also... I know that disordered eating or eating disorders, I I think it's a little tricky for me to distinguish between them, but I know that that can be a really difficult thing to navigate. Can you talk a little bit about that as well and how that played into things and what that looks like? So I am not good at lying or things like that. And for the longest time, like things that gave me a lot of anxiety or stress had made me throw up and not feel good. So having to take something for so long was eating me alive. Um, I wasn't able to sleep because I felt like I was going to be sick, and it was hard for me to even eat a lot of food, like, I eat barely anything, because just the pain of my stomach, it just felt like everything was twisting and stabbing, and it just hurt every single day, and everything was just in pain, and it became a big struggle even after I moved out, because I already had started, like, throwing up and going to the bathroom a lot, and I was losing a lot of weight. Because I just wasn't talking. So all of that kind of played into after I moved, it got a lot worse. Can you explain a little bit the not talking? So because he had threatened me, if I said anything else, he would blame me for everything. I usually told people if they saw anything weird with me happening, I would say it was nothing or I would give an excuse or I would lie about anything. And that happened for years, probably about five years. So all of that was really just taking a toll on me mentally and physically. So it sounds like you're saying that you didn't really feel that you had anybody to turn to to actually share what was really happening and didn't feel that you had anybody to process it with? Yeah, it felt like, especially when I was out, if we had like a family gathering or something and people told me to eat, they didn't understand. 
what was going on because I never spoke about it with anybody, not even like my therapist or anything or school people. Like nobody knew about it. So I struggled a lot. And usually if I ate too much, I got really sick and I wouldn't be able to move a lot of the time. I wasn't really able to think and I would be always so tired. Like even too when I got in trouble sometimes, like my breast milk wouldn't feed me. So that also got really bad too, having that happening. And the only thing that I'd be able to like really eat was little snacks, like fruit snacks and like granola bars and stuff. So it all really just took a toll on me. Yeah, I can definitely imagine all of those things combined, how stressful that was. How did you navigate that? I mean, that must have been so challenging. How did you work through that? It took a lot. I'm still working through it now because my eating kind of goes back and forth. But throughout time, I would try to eat as much as I could without feeling like I would throw up. And I would just try, try to get like as much food in me as I possibly could. I would write and I would go outside, I would run. I would hang out with people that would make me feel happy. I would try to get as many hugs as I could. And after I moved out, I would try to talk about it as much as I could because that fear was eating me alive. The more I talked about it, the more that fear would disappear and the stronger I felt while talking about it. So having having to write it out explain it to my teachers and explain it to therapists or doctors or even even friends and family too. Just having like that strength to be able to not cower in fear to all of this and say, no, this didn't happen to me, but actually say, yes, this did happen to me. This is what's going on. This is how I'm dealing with it. Made me feel so much stronger. That's incredible. You're so brave. I mean, I can even feel the power in your words as you were talking about how sharing more and more of this experience empowered you. And that's so amazing. What did you notice would help along the way? And what made things worse? Is there anything that stands out in your mind around that? What helped with getting hugs from people, talking to different people. One thing that really, really made it hard was people asking me if I was okay, people telling me to eat. Those are the hardest things because I knew they didn't understand what was going on, and they weren't going to unless I said something about it. But the struggle was real. <laughs> people use that as, a, as like a funny term. But no, it was really hard. I was struggling a lot. And I talked to people about this, and people have told me that like I'm being dramatic and all these different things, and I made myself feel this way, and it was all on me. Which I can see, like, how people can think like that. But really, it's like, when you when you put a bunch of stress and emotional decay on a child and try to pretend that it's not happening, that's going to take a big toll on the child. Having to tell a kid to be quiet every day or having to tell a kid that she's not worth it or she's too fat or too tall or all of these different things. Those are the things you heard? Yeah, I was, I was told a lot of the time that you're too tall. You're too fat for these clothes. I don't know why you tried to wear these. Like, you're eating too much. You can't grow your hair. Oh, you look like, like a mess. Why do you dress like that? You need to have your nails done. You need to have your hair done. Like, all of these things need to happen. You look so tired. It's disgusting. And so over time, with everything going on, it really just hurt. And, like, one thing that I would say is don't become numb. Do 
not become numb with emotion. Because becoming numb with emotion and then feeling it again can be such a stressful time. It makes you feel like everything is falling apart. You don't want that. And I definitely recommend to not do that and to really talk about what's going on. And even if somebody's asking if you are okay, tell them what's going on. Don't say nothing. Actually explain. Tell them because getting it off your chest will feel so much better. I guarantee that. Thank you. Yeah, that's so that's such powerful and important advice. And it just feels so weighty as you say it coming from the mouth of a young lady. And you're saying these incredibly powerful words that honestly, as adults, many of us struggle with. I want to unpack a little bit of what you've just shared. First of all, I know from personal experience and many people I've spoken with, sometimes when we hear those messages of unkind words and harsh judgmental statements, over time, it can easily become the voice in our head, in my head, and it can be really challenging to escape that. Does that resonate for you? And if so, how have you been working through that? Yes, it most definitely resonates with me. Because over time, the more you hear it, the more it takes a toll and the more it gets ingrained inside of you. Like, the neural pathways just are engraved so deep inside of you that you're just kind of used to it. For so long, I was told that I was useless. And if I got something wrong, it would just be like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. You're going to die because you just did something wrong. And I had gotten to the point where I would physically hit myself every single time I got something wrong. And it hurt, but it felt like the only way that I would actually be able to cope with it and understand it, which is completely false. Because the more that you do that, the more you're hurting yourself, the more you feel like you can't trust yourself. So one way that I've been dealing with it is taking it in slowly, one, learning things in a new way, trying to figure out new ways for me to learn something so that it's not just, oh yeah, like hitting yourself in the arms or the legs or punching yourself is going to fix everything. It's not. You might think that, but it's really just taking a toll on your body. Like for school, school is something that I've struggled with for a long, long time. I'm learning new ways to study and understand the information, like permit test learning, taking notes while reading and making flashcards of information, going through, reviewing them, doing tests online, see what, what you're missing and doing all these things. Like I'm, I'm still going through high school. I'm still, I'm still missing a lot of things in life, but I've learned a lot of things as well. This may be coming from what a lot of people think is a child, but this child has experienced a lot more than I could actually even wrap my mind around. I'm just trying to go with the waves and just try to live my life and learn as I go. But the main thing that's really helped me is don't let what other people say crowd up your mind so much. Look at yourself in the mirror and look look right at your face. Even if it's close up or far away, look at your face. Say, I have beautiful eyes. Look at my beautiful nose. Think of the thing that you're most insecure about and compliment yourself for it and mean it. Don't just say it because you think, oh, this person wants me to say it, so I'm just going to say it. No, do it because you want to. Do it because you want to feel better with the way that you look or the way that you dress or the way that you sound, the things that you like. Do it to make yourself really understand yourself more and feel appreciated by yourself. Wow, that is such excellent advice. Like that just totally resonated with me through the core. Wow. 
That's amazing. So a second thing I'd love to unpack that you shared a little bit ago was you mentioned don't allow yourself to get numb. I think that is such a critically important point. I think many of us are guilty of this, myself included sometimes, and I think it's easy to almost not notice how we numb because it could be through going to food or going to substances. It could also be through like binging Netflix. All these things in a way are kind of a numbing agent and there's just so many options scrolling through social media. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Can you talk a little bit more as you give that advice, what you suggest, what have you learned to use as alternatives that have been helpful and how have you been even able to stay mindful of navigating that and not going to that numbing place? My main thing that I recommend, go outside. (laughs) Find something to do outside, whether that's taking like a five-minute walk or going to beach or if you don't have a car, like trying to kick a ball outside or draw or like one thing that I've gotten into recently which has actually helped me out with a lot of stress is making bracelets um like friendship bracelets that's that's been helping me a lot because one it's helping me learn a skill but also keep my focus on one thing at a time so it helps with memory and with just really skilled (laughs) I recommend trying to learn something new that doesn't have to do with computers or technology Sing around, sing without any music, dance around, have fun, just read a book, read a comic book, play with toys, even if you're even if you're a teenager, playing with toys and something that's bad. Do something that you've enjoyed for the longest time. Clean if you need to. Organize. Write a letter to somebody that you really care about. Write a letter and then burn it. Take a picture that you hate, burn it. Like do do something. Don't go right to something that'll make you feel upset. Like, don't sleep. Don't eat. I mean, no, eat. But, like, don't emotionally eat. Mm-hmm. Don't emotionally not eat either. Don't try to take it out on other people. Figure out ways for yourself. Try these different ways that I'm talking about. Try journaling. I don't journal that often. But when I do, I feel so much better because I do what is called a brain dump where I set a specific amount of time and write a lot of the things that come into my head on that piece of paper, whether they're good or bad, just write it all out and you will actually feel so much better. I highly recommend it. Or just write about your day. Do do a checklist. Do, do anything that doesn't have to do with electronics. Highly recommend. Highly recommend running as well, especially when you're upset. I can relate to all of those things that you've just shared, and they definitely make an enormous difference, and I agree. They've been extremely beneficial and useful, and it's amazing how quickly you run out of energy when you're running through your anger or (laughs) um, trying to do like a power walking excursion because you quickly, you just calm down because you just let it all out on, on that walk or during that run. This concludes part one of our interview with Lila about her story of abuse. Please be sure to tune in next week where we have even more incredible insights and nuggets for you. I can't wait for you to get the rest of this amazing, powerful story. Until next time, be well. For all of the listeners out there, please remember that there are things you can do and places you can turn to and people you can turn to 
for help if you are struggling with anything like this. Please reach out to me at Maria at SynergisticStepParenting.com. I'm happy to share resources and point you in the right direction for whatever your needs might be if you are also going through anything similar or notice that your child or stepchild is going through anything similar or if you realize that this is something that you have struggled with even as an adult. Again, there are definitely resources and and places you can turn to for help and we are going to continue this conversation. We are actually soon going to have Dr. Dara Bushman on the show, who is an eating disorder specialist, and she is going to talk about this issue from a clinical perspective and from her expertise of her extensive clinical knowledge and clinical experience. So stay tuned. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lila, again, for coming on to talk about this and for really being willing to open up. That's really the key, I think, is just the connection and being willing to have the conversations that feel uncomfortable or that we have felt, just like you said, that we need to silence for whatever reason, which which is not true. And actually, it's the silence, as you've noted, that often leads to even more pain that is totally avoidable. So let's go ahead and break the silence. We'd love to hear your stories. If you can relate to this, please go ahead and email us if you're a step-parent or if you're a step-child. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much and tune in next week. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry, we'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step-parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.